Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everyone. Back in my studio. Travel is great, you know, <laughs> being with family and moving and going to other places in the country is, is a lot of fun. But hey, everyone, uh, in my no, 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 that's Russ. Right. I'm doing something wrong there. No, no, no Russ had Russ. He had to have the chat open. So yes, yeah. I got you. I got you. I'll be doing the same, but much smarter than you, Russ. Um, I know. I know. No, no, you know, I've tra- traveled to Florida. Um, to be with my in-laws and stuff like that, which in there is wonderful, sweet people, but it's nice to just be back. <laughs> um, it's, great to, it's great to see a guy. I mean, it was, it's, they were great. It was, you know, hockey is a great thing because it gets me away at night. Sometimes you, know, you gotta, gotta watch the game. Um, mm-hmm. But everybody, you know, everybody was, everybody was wonderful, but there's definitely something like a good vacation is always like, you can always tell a good vacation by like how much you're okay being home. Right. <laughs> That's how I see it. Like, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready to attack things again, which is nice. Get back here. Um. So, uh, yeah, and, and I'm also going to go see. I also got uh, a friend of mine get, got me got tickets to the Avengers movie tomorrow night. Yeah, so, I'm going tomorrow night too. You going tomorrow night too? Yeah, at one a.m. At one a.m. Now I'm going at six six p.m. Yeah, that's when the old people go. I get it. Well, no, I just I was I and I it, it, no, I just I couldn't get tickets the the other day, so I I saw one a.m. was available. So I'm going to um I'm going to movie tavern, and I want to talk. That's what I want to talk about it for a second. Um, you you guys have movie taverns? No, not yet. Okay, so movie tavern is. I mean, they have things like this in other parts of the country called other things, but movie tavern is. I mean, every place now has the nice reclining seats and like that, but movie tavern has a table and, and like a table that folds out, kind of like you know your first grade desk. And um, and they have waiters and waitresses that bring you food, you know, and and they have a whole full menu, full bar, everything like that. And um, I I having gone now to like a couple movies there, it's just like there was no other way I will go see a movie. It's hilarious. It's just like I totally become spoiled by the movie tavern experience. Even though the food's not all that great, the service is not all that great. There's just something about it that's just like a wonderful thing. <laughs> There's a lazy factor. I mean, I always go where the where the um the loungers are. I mean, I am, I haven't sat in regular movie seats in two, three years. Yeah. 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 Honestly, it's so, cause I worked at a movie theater for 10 years as a usher projectionist manager. And it's still weird to me to sit in a, you know, in the Barca lounger in a movie theater with like about 80 of them in a theater that I used to work in that had 250 seats where people were sitting side by side. Yeah, it's, it's bizarre. No, now, is it comfortable? I have to admit, it feels a little gluttonous. Like you do feel like a little bit like man. They, we are definitely living in one of the greater countries in the world to be able to do this. Like this is this is how we get to watch a movie. Yeah, I almost fell asleep the first time. It was a good movie. Oh, was, I, I, my I wife falls asleep all the time. We think of all these Star Wars movies and all these Avengers movies. She goes with us all the time, and she does not. She has not made it through one of them. Like, and she loves these movies, but she's the yeah. same way. Like she's second just like, Avengers movie. I almost fell asleep. I think I nodded for a quick second. Yeah, she fell asleep for the last Star Wars movie completely. Um, she yeah. like, oh, no, of it. She wasn't the only one. But uh, you know, yeah, oh, that's a fail by you. You should have woken her up. Well, the funny thing is, like, we have we tend to like you know, sandwich the kids. So I'm like four sheets oh. away. From, I don't know that she's asleep. Um, the big thing is you that you do that on purpose. That's that's a strategy employed by you. Yes. No, actually, you know, I, I've I've offered many times to be like the guard to block her so the kids don't know when she's asleep. Hmm. That's usually my theory. But um, yeah, no, it, I'm looking forward to it. I don't know anything about it. I've been avoiding spoilers. I haven't even really watched any 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 of the previews or anything like that. So everybody dies. There's the preview. Yeah, I know. Well, I, I have read the comic book, so I do know how they get out of the situation they were in a little bit. So that's like the tough thing about it, because I, you know, I do know that story. But they were saved by Batman and Superman. Yeah, and in this day and age, when like other people have other movies coming out, you know, like you're like, well, that person's obviously not dead. They've got another movie coming out next year, right? But that's the other, you know, and then they, oh no, that Spider-Man movie is a prequel to the first Avengers. Okay, you know, yeah, yeah, everybody's yeah. trying to cover their butts now. It's just funny. 
Um, but yeah, it's a, and it's amazing to me. It will always be amazing to me because as a comic book kid, and I know you guys were too. Um, at least Russ, you were a comic book person, right? I was for a while, then I got out of it, and then yeah. I made my own comic book. So yeah. Oh, that's that's, that's, that's I remember. Yeah, you made your own comic yeah. book. I just think um, it's incredible to me that this culture is as popular as it is. Like it just blows sure. my mind. Growing up as a kid, like I would have been so much cooler in this day and age than I was then. And strangely enough, uh, the pre the uh, the Leafs loss in the first round in Game Seven last year was a prequel to the. Oh, oh, Hockey World. It is Wednesday, April twenty fourth, two thousand and nineteen. I'm Nostradamus Michael Agello. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. Leafs in five, and I'm Eklund, and you're watching the Hockey Buzzcast <laughs> on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday in the afternoons to fill you in the comings and goings of the Hockey World. And yes, I did pick Leafs in five, and yes, they should have won in five. I went four and three. Baloney. I didn't, I actually didn't see what I went yet. I think I only I, I went four and three, which in this era is pretty good. And I nailed the Sharks in seven, and I nailed uh, how many did the Abs win in six? Yeah, you're five. 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 Okay, so I only got one exactly right, but I I was four and three. Yeah, I think I was. I wasn't that good. I don't think. I'm not trying to. I mean, I did. I had the Islanders. That's the one. That's the one I had different from you guys. I definitely had the Islanders, and I thought. I, I think I'm three and four with. Uh, if Washington wins, I'm 500. Which in this ridiculous underdog uh, first round, you know, 500 is probably decent. No, 500 is very good. I mean, there's a reason the NHL is doing its own. Um, <laughs> the second it's, chance bracket. The brackets all over again. It's like. I, and they have to. I mean, it's just, it is insane. And, you know, what's, what's interesting, though, and I have a lot coming out on this tomorrow, and I think think people will find this, you know, the, the seedings at the end of the year, of course, for the entire year. But if you see these, if you reseed these teams based on like the last three months of the season, mm-hmm. these upsets aren't that crazy. Like, they're, they're, it, becomes a little, it becomes a lot more apparent that, you know, I mean, obviously, Columbus, <laughs> the Columbus Tampa thing is insane. You know, that, that that's always going to be insane. There's nothing you can do about that. But, um, but beyond that, the other games were, I mean, listen. The, let's let's start right off with it. Let's get into it. Let's get into Toronto and Boston because sure. we need to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, one of my thoughts on the series is I haven't been around very much to talk about it as it's been going on, and I've been trying very very much not to text anything because as you guys know, like my, if I text anything positive, the Leafs they yeah. immediately do something terrible. So that's why last, last night I started texting all these positive things about the Bruins to you guys and trying trying to. I, I, I must have missed those. Oh, you saw it, and you you commented on it. And the reason I was doing it was, and you guys, no one seemed to pick up on the fact that I was doing that because I wanted to jinx the Bruins. Like that was the whole concept. I wasn't. No, 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 no. The the jinx only applies to Toronto. I mean, last night I said, I mean, I <laughs> to quote, <laughs> it was pretty funny. I was having a good time with it, but I'm like, you know, because you guys have been ripping me all the time. And I said, I said Boston has this all wrapped up. This was like this was early in the game. I'm like, right. series is over, no chance for the Leafs. Be fun seeing Boston sweep Columbus and win the Stanley Cup since no. Turns out you were right. Yeah, and I said, "Is there an echo in here?" When you were making those comments about the Bruins, I was trying to. I was trying. I was hoping my reverse psychology would work because yeah, it doesn't work. Sorry. At the end of the day, Toronto's. Um, in the end of the day, at the end right. of the day, the reason the Toronto lost is the reason that I've been saying for the last three months: their defense sucks. Uh, they're you know they're not they weren't. Uh, I think they didn't provide have enough snarl, enough experience, enough size up front to counteract what the Bruins did. Now the Bruins didn't run rough shot over them. They, no, they didn't. But but and Toronto had more hits. But if you're talking about the physicality uh, of the Bruins at specific points, and I pointed out in my in my blog today, the Jake DeBrusque in Game Two that lit the spark known as the firecracker known as Nazan Kadri. Well that's a big that's a big point. Okay. And that's that's hard that's a hard one to get around. And 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 if you notice and it was tough not to notice at the end of the second period last night, Zdeno Chara with the left cross to the jaw of John Tavares, knocking him down in a scrum at the end of the period. Yeah, there was no pushback whatsoever. Now I, I can say I can say you know who's going to push back against Zdeno Chara, and my answer would be well you don't push back push back against Zdeno Chara, you push back against Patrice Bergeron or Brad Marchand or Pasternak, and that's the way you you get get away from that kind of stuff. They get away with it because the Bruins play that type of game and you know that they're going to play that type of game every playoff and that's why you know begrudgingly I admire them because they come into the playoffs in a war footing 
You cannot go into the playoffs thinking you're going to outskill and outspeed a team. It's you have to be a team that has the skill and speed. You have to also, also have to have the experience. You also have people who will go to war, and Toronto does not have enough of those players. So there's there's a few things. Um, the first one is we knew about the defense, so that's nothing new. Yeah, Whether no, Dubis, no. people want to write in the chat room, Dubis didn't think it was a concern. No, he thought it was a concern. He just didn't make enough moves. Maybe. He just didn't want to pay the price that he would have. He did one thing that he should he's have done. On that. And he's he on that. The Muzzin trade was a great trade. He was a good move. Yeah. But, but Muzzin, was, Muzzin was noticeably kind of absent. He, he got worn down. I do. Yeah, he played 20-plus minutes on yeah. all seven games. I, but he, overall, I think he was their second-best defenseman behind Riley. I think that's true. I, the yeah. two things that stood out to me is um, the flaws in Mike Babcock are now showing in the sense that he is an old school coach coaching in a new environment here in the NHL, and he's not adapting. He made that game so ridiculously easy for Bruce Cassidy to coach against. It was ridiculous. You almost didn't need a coach on the Boston side because yeah, Babcock didn't do anything different. He, well, he did one little thing different, and Michael talk about it because it's minutia in a minute. But but he didn't do anything really different. He here's the one, here's the one thing about Babcock, and I think it's a great point, Russ, because the yeah. one thing about Babcock that really makes me angry. And as this has been since he has been in Toronto, mm -hmm. he has decided that he's going to go out of his way to to when he talks to anyone at all in any situation to, to yell everything's fine. We're doing great, everything's fine. And then I mean you see him on the bench and he's screaming at his players and he's doing the Mike Babcock thing that we all know and love. And you so you know this isn't going in the locker room. He's like, Oh, we're having a good time, we're happy to be well, here. Yeah. It, it's, it makes me insane well, that he's like that he is so afraid of the Toronto media that he is I hated that whole act too. No, it's me crazy because that is not him. And let's get some realness. And I mean, I know that he's like, oh, the Toronto media, and this will anything I say will be magnified by a hundred. I get that, but you have to be yourself. And if you're not yourself, you come off as totally disingenuous. And that's why Babcock is starting to take it from the late Leaf fans. I think. Well, and from and from the media too, because I mean, I'm sorry, and I'll use a crass term. I am I am sick and tired of coaches who blow sunshine up up your ass and to, yeah. you know, because because it's being completely disingenuous and when Mike Babcock in the middle of the series is saying, well William Nylander is playing really well he's playing good defense no he's not he is not he, he was horrible he was horrible, was horrible. now you know, the, you big, the biggest moment for me that, that epitomized Nylander completely is when the Maple Leafs pull their goal last night Nylander tries to beat a guy at the at the blue line and the Boston scores the empty net goal like right away. Like that, like okay. that to me was like that, that was all Nylander. There's no reason you would try to beat a guy at the blue line when your goalie, when you have no goalie behind you. That's like the stupidest move in the world. That's my, last other, my last other big point, and then you guys can go back at it, yeah. is just when Babcock says they're a better team than they were last year, they're not. They're more imbalanced than ever. Yes. The, goalie, the goalie situation's more imbalanced than ever to the point where Anderson got overused and we saw him yeah. finally breaking down. The whole world finally saw him breaking down and was like, "Hey, he's maybe he's getting used too much." And we're, you know, how many times did we talk about that this year? I mean, too many times. Uh, again, like a guy like Nick Patan, the GM trades for him. He doesn't play at all in the playoffs. Right. He played Freddie Gauthier, who can't skate. Right. Like so, all of these things made the Leafs worse than last year. The only thing that's better is their offense. Yes. Most everything else is worse. And and yeah, you know, this this happy horse crap that he served up before Game Seven and even after Game Seven, which I was puzzled at. Well, you know, these are the games that we live for. You yeah. know, it, it, you know, our our yeah. players should be excited. Blah blah blah. And I'm like, okay, no, you don't want to go to a Game Seven when you had home ice advantage in Game Six, and all you had to do was win on home ice, and right. your team didn't show up. And why it's awful is because it's just completely insulting because that's not how he feels. And you're sitting there and you're sitting there and you're listening to the guy tell you what he thinks for some reason Maple Leaf fans want to hear. Um, you know, and um, I just it's just to me, it's just in infuriating. And I do think that, you know, you have to start looking at that and it makes you question Babcock because. Well, one, no, matter what he does, no matter what he does at this point, he is, he's now led in all these playoff series and lost all these playoff series. And that is really becoming something. And it's becoming the point where he is just like too – and you know this is what makes me insane. If he is this happy-go-lucky with the players, then he needs to be fired right away. Well, okay. one, one of the things that Elliot Friedman brought up after the game, and I, I had sort of been cued into it because I was following the uh, the box score as while watching the game, looking at the breakdown of ice time. You know, remember last year, especially in game seven, there was a, a, a lack of ice time for – 
for Austin Matthews, which stands out even worse last year because they didn't have John Tavares. Tavares played 21 minutes last night. Matthews played 18. And Anthony Stewart on Hockey Central brought up something that I didn't think of and maybe the cause of it. Could it be that the analytics tell the Leafs that the best performance that they get out of Austin Matthews is when he plays between, say, 18 and 19 minutes? Yeah, I think he's right. I think and, that's and, the only explanation. And you know what? If that, if that is the justification for Austin Matthews playing 18 and a half minutes in a game where you're trailing most of the game, then the entire analytics uh, analytics department of the Toronto Maple Leafs should be fired right now. Because honestly, yeah. when you're down in the second and third period and, you're, and the guy who has scored the most goals for your team is being relegated to six or seven minutes a period – he needs to be double shifted. Freddie Goche should not be on the ice. He should not be playing the same amount of minutes as William Nylander. It's an abomination that Austin Matthews didn't play more in that third period. Well said. And I, I mean, I'll tell you this, like, and, and this is where analytics and, and hockey players psychology don't work. Okay. Because what Matthews is getting less ice time on, on a Babcock team. So in his head, He's not thinking, oh, I'm going to do better with less ice time. He's thinking, I got to do the things that Babcock wants me to do, which is back check. And Matthews, when he was on the ice, he played probably one of his best defensive games of the series last night. And right. it, we didn't need that. I mean, yeah, you saw him. He was behind the Leafs net. How often? Like, he was back there, like, all the way, you know. And, and yes, I mean, that's a great thing. But Matthews is like, that's how I get ice time in his head. I've got to do what Babcock wants me to do, which is play more defense. And in that game... So that so that's the analytics saying he's going to do better, but what ends up happening is the player turns turns around in his head saying I'm going to just do what my coach wants me to do because that's what he's been taught to do his whole life. So he's go, ends up playing, he ends up back checking way too much and not and not you know being part of the rush. Like you need Matthews being part of your two on one, three on two rushes. Well, and, and, and if it's not the anal, if it's not the analytics that's the reason for it, then you know is it the fact that Matthews line and was on the ice for the first two goals and that that sort of limited his you know Matthews did make a bad play on the first goal like and, and a lot of was a lot of a lot was written about the the real giveaway which wasn't Matthews but but right before the real giveaway. Uh, Matthews also had a really weak clear too, like a weak backhand clear. He had a weak clear. Travis Dermott was following the, the, the Leafs game plan of these ridiculous stretch passes that they do constantly. Yep. You know, like like the team, like the Bruins don't know that they're going to stretch pass. They're, of course they do. So it's intercepted and Freddie Anderson can't squeeze the post. And that was a, that was a momentum killer because the first 14 minutes of the first period, I thought it was a pretty even game. But where? Go ahead. And then, and then Jake, and then Jake, Gar Jake Gardner does it. Does what Jake Gardner does. Right, well, that's what I was going to get to. So, where it, on a Babcock team is it okay for these defensemen behind the net to do the blind back pass and hope the guys there? I mean, Gardner did it and Dermot did it. Yeah. And it's like, where, where's, where's that? Okay. I, and think, I think it's sort of like area passing, pass to the open area, and it wasn't. It, unfortunately, yeah, that's like it's like it's a hope. That yeah. a guy who was there, the one with Gardner, it goes right to Nordstrom. It was a perfect pass to Nordstrom. It's, it's, it's hockey 101. A drop pass, the, a drop pass along your own boards behind your net yeah. is passing a puck to a four checker. That's what's happening because that's yeah. what the four checker is following you around. That's what they're going to do. And here, and, and here is here here is the greater problem. And, and, and I'm going to be and I'm going to be going up to to locker cleanup tomorrow and hopefully ask a couple of these questions. Um. In in the in the third period, obviously Matthews his ice time was limited. Uh, Nylander played over six minutes. They they were they were trailing they were trailing this game the entire the entire night after the two after the two goals. Um, you know they I think they took over in the second period and Rask stood up. But but the problem but the problem is is that they you know there was never one moment in this game when you thought the Leafs would win. I don't know. I don't want. No, I mean, I, I honestly I fell asleep. I actually fell asleep on the game because my brain said, "There's no chance in this game." They they were the better team the first ten minutes of the game, and they and when Tavares scored, they absolutely looked like they were going to win. They were dominating, and and Rask made some huge saves there. I mean, they were they were steamrolling Boston to the point where you know you could see that Boston was in huge trouble. And what possession and shots, Eck, but not on the scoreboard. Where well, it was all, it, they got they got the goaltending. I mean, it's like it's what happened in the playoffs. I mean, they got their goaltender to survive that 
thrash that, that onslaught because that yeah. onslaught was significant and that power play was crazy. Well, I mean, the power play happened right there too, and and Rask made some amazing saves. Well, they, and they, we don't know whether this will happen, but uh, knowing Brendan Shanahan, I think it has to happen in the next few days before Dubis goes to the World Championship, and usually Babcock does as well. There needs to be a little sit down between the general manager and the coach because I think on a number of levels, the backup. Goaltending, McElhaney, Babcock wanted to keep. Garrett Sparks was the guy. He's force-fed Garrett Sparks. Garrett Spar basically cost them home ice advantage in the playoffs for his average play as a backup. And they couldn't rest Freddie Anderson and play him like 40 or 55, you know, 50 to 55 games. They had to play him 60. They didn't, address, they didn't address their defense problems. Babcock was pining away for help on the blue line. He looking for a right shot defenseman. They get a lefty in, in Jake Muzzin. He's asking for Luke Glenn Denning or some veteran forward. He gets Nick Patan. And we know that Babcock, he plays the guys he wants to play, and he doesn't play the ones that so either yeah. management or other people think that he should play. And that's the disconnect. Either the general manager has to give him the tools to play the type of game that he wants to play, that Babcock wants to play, or Babcock has to be more accepting of the players that Dubas gives him. If yeah. they keep this split, it's not gonna work, folks. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's it's not. It's it's really not. And and honestly, you know, I'm not gonna broken broken record it, but you have to if you're a contender, you have to have a backup goalie. You have just have to have a backup goalie. You have right. to be able to go to somebody. I mean, the Bruins had Rask, but they also had a really good guy behind them. Yeah, okay? yeah. And you know, and, and the Leafs didn't have anyone behind them. And if things went and and I'm not saying Anderson should shoulder all the blame for this one as much as they should have last year. No, I, mean, no, I, I mean he didn't make the big the big time in game seven. The, yeah. Here's the thing, Eck. Even if the coach doesn't fully believe in Garrett Sparks, the coach still needed to use Garrett Sparks more and give Anderson more time off. He refused to do that, even when they were playing completely meaningless games. Yeah, and if and if the, if the GM and the coach don't get on the same page and they can continue to operate as they are right now, and I don't think it's acrimonious, but clearly there's a philosophical divide between Dubas and Babcock. All that means is, guy, like the only way that Dubas can affect the roster in terms of who he wants to be played is in free agency this year when Ron Hainsey comes. Uh, Ron Hainsey's a UFA. Babcock's going to want him back. Kyle Dubas is probably not going to re-sign him because he might want him for a bottom pairing defenseman who plays 15 or 16 minutes and plays with Travis Dermott and has the same positive effect that he has on Morgan Riley that he did on Morgan Riley. But if you if if you give Babcock Ron Hainsey, he's going to play him 23 minutes, and he's going to play him on the top pairing, and that is not acceptable. Yeah, here's the astonishing thing. With Anaheim, we'll take away the first year because, you know, Anderson yeah. wasn't the, you know, the guy then or anything. Second year, he plays 54. Third year, he plays 43. He was a little banged up. With the Leafs, it's 66, 66, and 60. Yeah, like, yeah. He, you know, they're just piling on – the games with this guy. Now he played fewer minutes this year, but not by a ton, but he did. He played fewer minutes. Uh, you know, you could look at it. Actually. Yeah, he did. He did play fewer minutes. Yeah, But the reason he played six less games is because he was injured. Not, it was given rest. Right. That's, you could make that argument too. That's true. And also remember he was, he was a Lou Lamorello signing, like clearly right. a Lou Lamorello signing. Like there was no questions, no ways about it. And he, and Lou signed him for, if I remember right, it wasn't like a super long deal, right? Like five, was, five years, twenty-five million, five million, right, which is which is reasonable. Yeah. And and you know, and everyone's like, okay, that's terrible. But at the same time, that's also that's also the kind of that's not a sixty-five game goalie. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like if right. you're if you're gonna if you're a five million dollar a year goalie, is not a sixty-five game. Yeah, goalie. not anymore. And he also went from four shutouts to five shutouts to one shutout this year. Right, they're they're simple. They're you know you cannot play the type of game that the Leafs played during the regular season and say all of a sudden, let's flip the switch and become the New Jersey Devils circa 1995. It doesn't work that way. They don't have the personnel to do that. Now they tried their best with the personnel that they did have, but in the end they were outdone by they were undone. Excuse me by defensive giveaway Travis Dermott, defensive giveaway Jake Gardner, and bad goal. Yeah. rally over over the shoulder of Anderson. And in these games, one or two errors are fatal. 
And that's what, you know, this team, uh, and we'll talk about it. We'll, we have to talk about the other series. But I'll tell you this right now. This is going to be a dramatically different team at next next training camp when when they show up because of cap constraints because Matt, Matt Marner is going to get at least $10 million on a new deal. I am still convinced that that you've seen the last game of William Nealander in blue and white. You may have seen the last game of Nazem Kadri in blue and white. They have to address the defense, yeah. and if it's at the cost of trading one of their forwards to get a top four blue liner, then go ahead and do it because we know that the construction of this team the last three years with – Heavy up front and not a lot in the back. How does that work, folks? Yeah, no, and I, I mean, and, and you know, whether or not Matthews is trying to play defense for for Babcock or trying to play defense just because he thinks his defense sucks and he's got to get back there and help them. Way, it's not good. One of those two things is happening, right? And 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 even Tavares started doing that too. And Tavares doesn't, you know, like I'll ask Islanders fans how many times he saw the own his own end of the zone. You know what I mean? Well, Tavares, Tavares is a hell of a player, but he's not defensive at all. No, and, but 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 he had to be matched up against Bergeron. And remember, yeah. remember who Matthews, who his who his idols are. Kopitar and Jonathan Taves. He yeah. wants to be that 200 foot player. Yeah, yeah, no, he wants to be too. But at the same time, you know, like, and and it works out fine because they need him back there. But if you're if you're playing defense and you're only playing 18 minutes, that means you're playing like you know only 10 minutes in the offensive zone or whatever. That yeah. when it comes down to it, that's just not going to work. And then you're not going to get enough offense out of him. And I mean, that, that also goes back to Kadri because you know Kadri's the one who's supposed to be picking up those roles as well. And Matthews then has to pick up for Kadri. When he's not back there. So I mean, yeah. the Leafs, the Leafs can downplay it. They can have management downplay it. They can have Babcock downplay it. But this season was a disaster for the good moves that they made for the kind of regular season that they had. Maybe they weren't Tampa, but they were thought of as like, you know, maybe two spots removed from being a good team like Tampa. And for that kind of team to get bounced the way they did, because five to one, you pretty much didn't show up for a lot of that. That was the five to one game though. But if you want to say three to one, they never were in. They never were in danger of. Boston was never in danger of losing the game. Never in doubt. It was never in doubt. And final thing, this was the year that they had twenty million dollars in cap space. Right. That that is is what killed me. There is no all that cap space, and and all those players that were available at the deadline that didn't move. I mean, one of them actually scoring against them, right? And you know, in the Boston, the Boston kid, um, Marcus Johansson, right? Not saying he's like he's Charlie, Charlie Coyle, but right. he's a trade. That, so the fact that they had all that money, the fact that they had, they still had guys on their rookie entry level contracts that are going to be off, and they had, so they had that great bounce. They had the perfect situation to really put a team together, and and that they at least should have spent some money and gotten a backup goalie. They could have. No, I, mean, I, I don't. I see that. I, I mean, okay, the 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 die was cast with Sparks. That I mean, I you know, I'm not going to go there. But when you have the ton of cap space, what what did they end up spending it on? Did, did they go at the deadline and get rentals? No, they did. They did what Tampa did. They they added Nick. They added Nick Patan, which was a marginal add. They traded Parlin Lindholm, by the way, who by the way was a penalty killer for them, and their penalty killing was terrible in the postseason. But they added a guy that Babcock didn't want, didn't want, and wouldn't play. Yeah. But they didn't go out and get Wayne Simmons. They didn't go out and get Luke Len Denning. They didn't bolster their blue line when they when they lost two of their defensemen right after the trade deadline. Yeah, so he didn't. He what he what Dubas spent his cap room on was the front loading of William Nylander's contract. Yeah. Right, and and that was a, that is a complete unmitigated disaster when you have him scoring seven goals in the regular season and one goal in the playoffs. He you know. How? What was the bang for the buck on well, that? He deserves, he deserves some credit for that too. Okay, so I mean, that, oh, they, but at the end of the day, they probably should have traded him. The, pro- yeah, the problem was it. And they probably will still. They made and they, if they do now, it, it is really it feels like such a freaking waste. You know, I mean, but but because they had such an opportunity, I, but, I, I'm not going to be as negative. And before we move on, I do want I want to throw out some positives. Okay, so okay, hold on. If you're painting us as negative, please give us the real positive of this leaf season as it unfolded at the end. As it unfolded at the at the end, th- they were better in this seven game series than they were last year. Oh my god! How do you say that? Well, yeah, honestly, I'll just react emotionally. They were ahead in every. They were ahead in this series. The only lead boss never had was winning game seven. That was the only time. That's the only all time that matters. That all that matters. I know. I listen. I know that. But last the last year, they were down three. Olympic at home is better than last year. They could have clinched this at home. I know. Last year, they were down three to one in the series. Remember? Correct. 
I mean, and, and right, you know, this one hold, right. So what's better being down three, one or having a chance to clinch at home and losing the next two at the it's end of the day, neither matters, but it doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter. It's, it's a wash. Right. It's all a wash. I get that. But I felt like they took, and I think that even our Boston fan in the, in the chat room said it really well, that I think the Leafs dominated the play through a lot of the series, but Boston came up bigger at bigger times. And right. that, that, that was really the game. Now that's not to say that then that is different than it was last year. Okay. Right. But, okay. but that's why I'm going to say that, I mean, this team, well, there's no question that Matthews is, there's no question that Matthews is, is coming along. There's no question that Matthews and Tavares are going to be a force together for yeah. a year. There's no question that Marner is going to get better. Marner did not play well last night at all. But, well, um, but, but my, my point is act, is that you can go? You can look at 2013 with a different team. You can look at last year, and you look at look at look at last night. In the end, to use a Groundhog Day reference, you're waking up in the morning, and I got you, babe, is playing. I know, I know. And, I, and listen, that is all that matters. But you, you look at Hockey DB; it says out in first round, out in yeah. first round, and, and result. It's a results-oriented business. Okay, I get that. But I, I'm just thinking, I there are some there are some really good players on this team. There's no, no. There's some really strong. I mean, they they were, if they had won last night, they would they would have been the top seeded team for the rest of the playoffs. I mean, this is this right? I mean, I think that's is that true? They would have, no. If Washington wins, I think Washington right. had Washington's Washington still ahead of them, right? But but they're close. I mean, this is this is a team that really is like they're not that far away. They don't they can't put that on Anderson. Well, you can you you can all you can also say act is that the road was cleared for them in this playoff. Do you expect Tampa and? Pittsburgh and all these teams to fall off and open the open the way for Toronto again. This was an opportunity. This was as close to 1993 with the first and second place teams losing in the first round or second round than you'll you'll ever get. And they and and in the end they came up short when the, when it when it counted. And like I said, this is going to be a busy a busy year. You may see Marlowe retire. You may see Hainsey retire or may not come back. You could see Kadri and Neilander traded. There's going to be some changes. It may not be for the better because they're going to have to do some of these moves under cap constraints. One, one last one last point yeah. for me is don't just think that because Anderson's done what he's done the last three years. That he's not going to start being on the on the downslide now. If Anderson isn't near perfect next year, yep. then we got another problem to add. Yeah, right. And he's got a lot of pressure on him. Fix. And that's something that's something we don't know that yet. So that's Absolutely. that's where they let's can move be on to the, to the to the to really what was the game of the playoffs. Um, you know, we really need this was an insane game. Um, and and you know, talk about another another like I felt like both games last night. You know, you guys won't agree with this at all. But I felt like both games last night, the team that looked like they could be better, like they, they had moments when they were way better, lost. Like, like they were like the the Vegas Knights were just better than the Sharks last night. I mean, and and were better than the Sharks most of the series. And and I don't think I think that Colorado is sitting there happy as a clam that that Vegas didn't get through. To be honest, I mean, they're better golfers. I'll give you that. I mean, I'm just telling you they like well. the. And the perfect example is the beginning of the third period. Like anybody who's been a shark sufferer, like I have been a shark sufferer, saw the new, you know, and like this is you and Mike with the Leafs. So I'm like trying to do the same kind of thing with the sharks for a second because I, they're down to nothing. They come out of the third period flat as a pancake and Vegas starts pouring it on and pouring it on. And Vegas just is winning every puck battle, winning every chase. There are some huge saves by Martin Jones early in the third period really are, were forgotten about. Not to mention the fact that, you know, I thought the one goal was a high stick, but that's my opinion. I think it was too. I don't think there's yeah, any and I think that had this big injury not happen. One thing, the big one, thing about that for one second, why in the world does NBC not have telestrators so they could show us the height of the yeah. net and the yeah. height of the stick? Why is it so much guesswork? I don't Every mean, angle we saw, that was above the crossbar. You know, there was like, there was no two ways about it. Like you could right. stop. The what about, I mean, telestrators been around for, for, 40 years. So if, if this other controversial call doesn't happen, that would have been the call that we would have been talking about today. So like the, the, the Vegas, right. Vegas gets burned, but they almost got benefited. And well, it, you know, really at the end of the day, it was but, a hell of a game, you know? And yeah. Well, but well, we're, but we're, we're, we're burying the lead here. And okay. it's obviously the penalty. And you know, the fact that, and this is what I'll say about it. And then you guys can totally, or, you know, Michael disagree with me. Russ might not. Yeah. That's my prediction. Okay, here we go. No, 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 because I already know we've already. It's a little unfair, Mike, because I heard your opinion on tech. <laughs> but here's my thing about this. Okay, Pavelski does get hit 
high. Now it is a play that happens all the time. He's awkward. He's, he awkwardly goes in. No, this is very not too dissimilar from a guy awkwardly going into the boards, which we've seen a lot of times happen. And if a guy gets hurt when he hits and he awkwardly goes into the boards, sure, suspensions follow. And if the guy's hurt, and regardless of how much we hate the rule that it do, shouldn't matter whether he's hurt or not, it just does, and it'll always matter because that's human that's nature. It's, it's the human nature of us as human beings that we will always see something as worse if a guy gets hurt. Right. And you know, when blood's pouring out of your captain's head, I mean, think about think about how terrible things look for the sharks at that moment. You know, they're down mm -hmm. three nothing. Pavelski's bleeding on the ice. It's like that. That was like the end. That it was. It was as bad as it could be, which is what made what happened later just incredible. But but that's my, that's my thought, and I I just okay. think it's, it is penalty, and I don't blame him for giving him a five minute penalty. Well, I see that that that's where we disagree because, okay. I, the only other cross-checking five-minute major in the playoffs so far was the Kadri event. Kadri hit, hits uh, DeBrusque from behind along the boards, and it was dangerous. Okay, In this instance, and I, I, I didn't watch it live. I watched it this morning. I, I After the Leaf Bruins game, I had to write something, and I, I, I fell asleep, so I watched it this morning. Yeah. The, the cross-check was off a of face-off. And wasn't head high. It was his chest, mm -hmm. and that at most, at most, not because because of intent, was at most a minor. Where there should probably have been a second minor would have been Stasny right. going trying to go to the point and knocking Pavelski down, which was the cause of his head hitting the ice and him bleeding. All so it, the the problem is they scrummed at the penalty box talked about this for what a minute and a half and came up with the absolutely worst decision worst not worst call that i have seen in playoffs in 26 years since i don't know if it was the worst call i think well, one, one of them was i'm saying think, since, since doug gilmore getting high stuck by gretzky that okay. in terms of impact and, and the time of the game shouldn't matter it's the it's the offense but where is that a anywhere close to what Kadri did Wayne Gretzky will go to your deathbed I get it yeah. but what on this play and and probably two two minutes would have been the ideal call but yes. I'm gonna play Sherlock Holmes here for a minute and tell you that when Pavelski was hit I don't know if he wasn't going straight for the floor he probably was and what Stastny did was what you do in a classic tag team wrestling match and you get the extra force and slam them to the ice. And that's what happened. And that in combination made it the worst. And that's why I was not upset what they did to Vegas. Matter of fact, Vegas earned it. Yeah. Vegas, yeah. that was dirty. I mean, the guy was in a helpless it was a five situation. Minute penalty on Vegas. It was a, should have been a five-minute penalty on Vegas, in my opinion. It, putting it yes, on one of on the Vegas, yes. Because you know what? He was in a position where he couldn't defend himself, and Stastny hit him harder. And I don't understand why he did that. To me, it was stupid, and Vegas earned everything they got. Now, getting past that, they still could have killed it off, right? Or some of it. Or some of it. Mark andre Fleury turned into the goalie that we had seen in the Flyers series. After that first goal, it was obvious things were going the wrong way for him. When I Russ, when I watched it, I had to watch it over again. His re His – uh, sort of verklempt reaction yeah. after the Couture goal where it looked like he threw a hissy fit. I'm yeah. like, oh, my God, he's lost it. It's yeah. 2012. It's Philly-Pittsburgh yeah. again. That showed up. I saw that. That's exactly where I went back to. And, again, it's one of those things where the Sharks still have to do it. They did it. They still lost the lead. They still – you know, Vegas still had to tie it up. Vegas did tie it up. That was all tremendous. So. It, it, in a way, yes, it, it didn't even out. But in a way, Vegas still had a great chance to win this game, and they didn't. I mean, what 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 Mark Andre Fleury is is probably the best goalie in the NHL if you're within five feet of him. But when you move away from there, it's like there is absolutely. I mean, that's what the Flyers learned back yeah. way back when. That's what the Capitals learned last year. If you look at all the goals the Capitals scored, ninety nine percent of them were from for from the circle or out. And and those all those power play goals, all those power play goals were far shots. The goal that the goal that wins game six for the Sharks is a is a shot from outside. It's like and that that deflects granted and it's not like his fault, but still everything how you beat Flurry is clearly, you know, I, taking shots. I felt the best one, and yeah, a lot of them were going over his glove side, but I felt the best one 
that maybe had the least chance of him stopping was LeBanks because yeah. that one had a lot on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but he was, but but Russ, a I don't think he saw it because he was way off the angle. If you yeah. look, if you look at the replay, he yeah. screened, but the entire far side is open. Yeah. So now again. Let's talk to the Vegas defense and penalty killing. Yeah. They do suppress shots, but at the end of the day, they give up glorious chances. They right. do, and and the momentum, the way that the way that's the the emotion of Pavelski being out, all that stuff played in. Well, that's the other thing. They woke a sleeping giant. Like they you did. basically, you had a team down and out, and you pissed them off by attacking their captain, yeah. and that's what you get. That's exactly. I mean, the way the, the the visual of like you know of the of the big of of you know. Couture holding Pavelski, um, Dorton yeah. holding the back, holding the holding the you know towel to the back of his head. I mean, you saw right there the leadership core of the group, and like that was a decision you could tell. It reminds me very much. And we learned something from that. We knew when that team went to the Stanley Cup that they probably weren't going to win the Stanley Cup, but we knew that they were a tight group, and we did know that their leadership core was great, and they, that did show last night. And but uh, but it's a rarity for San Jose, and I'll tell you why because having been a Sharks fan for a long time, you know. They don't get angry very often because, yeah. and, and part of the reason is they don't have a media that goes after them at all. Like there's nothing really, you know, a lot of teams will bat, you know, will, they'll write something bad. I mean, we had a, we had a writer who used to work for them who worked for us, who recovered them that got kicked out of the press box for asking Patrick Marlowe one time a question just that was, that was the question that anybody would have asked this, that they, the team is so crazy shielded is part of the reason Joe Thornton loves it there. Um, and that's and that's no 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 knock on him. I love Joe Thornton, but it's like why wouldn't you love it there? Like they are completely shielded from that, and they don't have anybody really talking down to them at all. And the, so the, so therefore, you know, it's rare to see them like like channel. Like I was with somebody who was saying they're channeling their inner Canadian. You know, like they're yeah. like those guys. You know, they were like, okay, this is it. I'm like angry now. You piss me off. I'm not in San Jose anymore. I'm back in home and in, in the in the plains of like Western Alberta, and you got to play me now. And that, that they really changed that really changed everything. But one th one thing that is clear from you know the seven completed series and the one yet to be completed that'll be finished tonight is that the winner of these series, they're all playing what I would define as heavy hockey. They're all they all have yeah. they're all multi-dimensional. They're right. not just speed and skill. Right. They're yeah. speed, they're skill, they're size, they have good defense, they mostly all have good yeah. goaltending. You cannot be Tampa, you cannot be Toronto, you cannot be some of the other teams, Calgary. You have to have all the dimensions and all the aspects of this game covered if you hope to win in the playoffs. Yeah. And this should be a lesson to some of these general managers out there. If you go out and they think we're going to blow the doors off everybody because we have, you know, great, all this ridiculous offense. Okay, that can be shut down in a playoff scenario. Boston did it to Toronto, they shut down. For long stretches, Tavares and yeah. Matthews. So coming yeah. out of the chat room, yeah, sorry, Mike. Coming out of the chat room, there were two things. Like Bill C said, at some point during that sequence, we were talking about there should have been a timeout. I agree. Yeah. They didn't do it. Yeah, that's crazy. But to say Gallant got out coached is wrong because Gallant, on their first goal, had his first line out against ten, um, San Jose's fourth line, and he was the away team. Yeah, that was, that was great. Peter DeBoer fell asleep on that. Yeah, and the whole Gallant to board thing was funny too. I mean, just and, and the way that was going down. I mean, Gallant is so beloved and, and such a and it is such a and people forget like the kind of player Gerard Gallant was. Like we all yeah. watched him play. Yeah. A lot of you guys younger don't remember him. He was a weasel. I mean, he was he was absolutely a jerk on the ice. He yeah. would, he made people crazy. He could he could score for the Red Wings, but he was really really tough. Like he was a crazy fighter, and you know, and for him to think. He was dirty, yeah, very dirty, and his shot to Boer was kind of stupid because I thought it was kind of stupid in, in many levels because it felt like he was, you know, making his like cadre esque mistake. Because at the time, when I said to my friend, I was I, te I text who's out in San Jose, I'm like, he could have, he may have just woken up because I'm I'm always waiting for something to wake up the sharks. It didn't work that way. It was the Pavelski thing that woke up the sharks, but you know, then you saw like the anger. And to Mike's point before, this is what doesn't wake up when Chara goes after Tavares, you know, which should have been the same kind of thing in right. that game. But it right. doesn't. And part of that is also because Chara does it at the end of a period and there's yeah. a time time for things to like, to like, to settle down. Down. but you know, when it happens in the, if that happened in the middle of the period and Tavares goes down and is bleeding from the head, it may have been a different series because th that you would, you would get some of those guys to actually wake up. I mean, well, you, well, let's point this out too. And then yeah. we'll get back to this series. 
Char played 24 minutes as a 43, 44 year old guy to play 24 minutes. Come on. He's crazy. I mean, but, but getting back to the series again, I just, I don't, it's going to be interesting to see what the Sharks have left, I think, to, to go up against Colorado because this is, that is going to be, because Colorado is probably the best team in the West right now. Like, as far as, I mean, they, between, it's between them and the Blues in my mind. And the two of those, those two teams are just, it's going to be that it feels like those two teams are not going to have too much trouble, in my opinion. In the next well, round. I mean, I think I'm not going out on a limb to say that I'd be surprised if Pavelski plays the rest of this playoff. Yeah. I mean, it's it, 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 last night, but he has the second overtime. We'll see Pavelski skate back out for the second overtime, and that'll be your. <laughs> well, <laughs> they said he's going to be back soon. They already said it. So, okay. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, it was a scary looking incident, but I mean, no, I mean, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a fairly even series because, you know, San Jose, again, with that, that advantage, and we're not doing our previews right now. No, but not yet, but it's, we, it will be even, but let's, before we, before we jump into that, cause that we can start tomorrow. And I've got about seven, yeah. yeah, got lots of thoughts on that. We have to talk about tonight because, yeah. and here's my question to everybody tonight about tonight's game. What, what I think is the most fascinating is this, and I heard somebody say this the other day and I was like, yeah, that really nails it. Let's pretend the Capitals didn't win the Stanley Cup last year for a second. Okay. Just take that. And it's hard to do. It's impossible. And I know sure. you can't do it. But let's take that out of the situation. The Capitals have now been – the, the, the outstanding Capitals, first in, the, in their division, have, have now been forced to a Game 7 by Carolina. Mm-hmm. This is like a very familiar scenario for a Capitals yeah. before they won the Stanley Cup that they failed in. Yeah, certain certain bodily orifices would be. This was, yeah, this was this was not the Capitals' strength. Okay, this is this is their their you know, and even though the way they played in Game Five, I expect them to come out tonight, and I think they will win tonight. But I think that, but this is, but there is something to that, you know, like they're. Well, I, I also think I think this will this will prove. Do you really get a monkey off your back? But well, I, I also I also think it put I also think it puts into focus, and you know, if we if we're forgetting that they won the Cup last year. Alex Ovechkin losing his cool at the end of Game Six will be looked upon as the pressures getting to him because yep. you know he's he's you know he's letting Warren Fogle bother him or or amazing, right right but but he's you know he's got that cup under under his under his belt so that that's you know that that that's has to be included and I think that Washington is going to be a little more loosey goosey than they would normally be in this scenario because they won the cup. Yeah, I think that's true. I, they have a tremendous home ice advantage, like I said, San Jose does, and and Washington does too. The minute you walk in that door as the away team, like everything is against you, uh, everything, every little minute, every little thing, every, and so that that will help a little bit. I think Carolina will play a close game. Of course, Morozik could always have a horrible game, and that's that's in him, but. I don't know if it'll be in him tonight. He can also steal a game. Like he has Morozik, right? Like he's good. There's no question he could steal a game. And Braden and Braden Holpe did not come up big in game six, Russ. Yeah, and I think Carolina might even be at full strength tonight. But the problem is, I think what the difference in this game will be is again, we we always tend to look at the bigger guys and like yesterday I thought Corrali would have an impact and he did. Now I thought LeBanc would have an impact two days ago. He had great shots, he didn't, he had it a day later. I think it's the Washington blue line that is going to do it here. And it's not so much, look, their bottom pairing is not great. I, I grant you that. Siegenthaler and Jensen. Yeah. But their top four are really good. And I think someone like Dmitry Orlov, who's been getting a lot of shots off and not getting a lot of payback on the goals has right. a great shot. He has like three points in six games, but I'm looking at a guy like that because I think he, there's going to be some opportunities for a guy like that to, to put a few bombs on, on Morazic and see if he could stop them in a big situation because this is the biggest situation of Morazic's life right now. And yeah. I'm going to test them. Besides, besides Novechkin, which, you know, obviously is obvious. I think it reminds it, me a little bit of like the, um, you remember the game six, the Flyers had against the Capitals where you have Neuvirth in there and he just like the Flyers win one, nothing and Neuvirth yeah. just plays out of his mind, sending, yeah. sending it to a game seven. Um, we're sending it to a game six, actually. So that was, that was game five. Neuvirth and Morazic are similar in the ways that they can they can steal a game, you know, sure. they, and they have that. They and they play the same exact style. Like they are very similar in their movements as goalies. They are similar in the same kind of saves they make. And you have, to, you know, you're getting them moving back and forth is not always the best thing to do with them. The best thing to do is shoot high and often. But because um, moving them back and forth, Morazic and, and and Neuvirth will will beat you. But, but you shoot high, you can you can beat them. But I, I think that the guy who could be the disruptive force, and he's a disruptive force every time he steps on the ice, is Wilson. And, you know, Wilson Wilson going to the net 
or Wilson laying a check. I mean, laying a check will will change the momentum of the game, but we know that he has offensive ability, and we know he, he likes to go strong to the net. And in a game like this where it could be a one- or two-goal game, him being a bull in a china shop and crashing the net might be the difference between them winning and losing. So, I mean, yeah, Orloff or Carlson, one of these guys on defense, could have the effect, but, I, I you know, I fall back on Wilson maybe being a difference maker. Yeah. I look at it this way, though. I don't know if anybody on Carolina is pissed off. Ovechkin is pissed off. Now, he doesn't have a reason to be. He was in the wrong completely, but that doesn't matter. Yeah. You get a pissed off Alex Ovechkin on the ice, you've got a problem yeah. if you're the other team. And, yeah. and that's something where I would be very worried about that he, if I were Carolina. He's the, bu- yeah. he's the bull in the Warner Brothers cartoons yeah. with, with, the, with the, his eyes turning yellow, yeah. charging at Bugs Bunny. That's what he is. And yeah, I mean, well, he runs into a hot goalie, and, and then he starts yeah, shooting. Here's what he'll do, Eck. Even if he runs into a hot goalie, if let's say Washington gets that first power play, they're going to feed every big shot, every big one-timer to Ovechkin to try and soften up Morazic. And he'll yeah. shoot him high. He'll shoot him at his head. Yeah, he'll yeah. shoot him at his head. You stole it. He'll shoot at his head. That's what yeah. he'll do. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I he will. And, and, and Morazic is a very emotional goalie up and down, and it's going to be interesting to see how he handles the whole situation. Wilson's going to trip him once or twice. Yeah. Like, all those things are going to happen. Yeah. I, I think with the, with the two guys that are hurt – um. Furland and Sveshnikov. I get the feeling from listening to Rod Brindamore's press conference yesterday that Sveshnikov is going to play. And it, it was very, it was very clear to be like, well, he's not ready at all now. No, this is, we had, you know, he can't do it. The testing, we'll see what happens. I get the feeling that this is going to be like, I think Brindamore is trying to pull an old page out of like, you know, like a Mike Keenan playbook here and trying sure. to like pull Sveshnikov on at the last minute to kind of throw a bigger monkey wrench at Ovechkin, you know, that, that could be like, I, I just it feels like some gamesmanship. If he doesn't play, he doesn't play. Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like there's some gamesmanship going on here. Like he knows he's going to play, and he knows he obviously the second he can play, he would play. There, I think they're all playing. I think everybody's going to play for Carolina. Now, how many minutes will Svechnikov play? We don't know, yeah. but yeah, Carolina is more banged up than Washington is. That's a fact. Washington has the experienced goalie. That's a fact. As far as you know, winning big games and being in in the pressure cooker situation, this is a very big order for Carolina. They can do it. I just, I just don't think they're going to. I think they're going to come up short, even late in the game in a very close game. I th- that's just the way I feel it's going to be. I I could be wrong though. I, I I tend to go that that direction myself. I mean, not not to rely all on just experience, but. Yeah. Uh, and and the one the one nice thing is the one big injury for Washington was Oshie and gee you can replace him with a guy who scored what six goals in the in the yeah. playoffs last year in Smith Pelly so it's like no 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 no, no, no. Oshie is a huge loss no, I'm not saying I'm not Mike Mike great point I'm not Oshie scores big goals for the Caps in big games yes I I I wholeheartedly agree act but it's like it's not like you're pulling he's there Justin Williams essentially. Right, but he's not. It's not like they're pulling Riley Barber out of Hershey. Right. Right. No, I know, I know. And Smith Pelly has you know moments when he's great, and he was great last year. But who knows if he's going to just step into that playoff form again or be like the other Smith Pelly, you know, like that was on waivers this year. Sure. sure. So I think, you know, I mean, we're talking about T.J. Oshie is a big game, big time player. I, I completely agree. Last year, without Oshie, they don't win the Stanley Cup because right. he scores goals in game. He scored winning goals in games that they had to win. He is and. He, He's clearly a big loss. He's a way bigger loss than either Svechnikov or Furland is for Carolina, in my mind. Both, the one thing we them. could say about Washington is they don't look like the fat cat we won last year, look ripe for an upset in this game, and, hey, who cares? You won the cup. They don't look like that team. They don't look like they that look team. They're hungry still. And I really so much want to see Barry Trotz coach against them in the next Me round. Too. I've been that, wanting that for a while. You know, I want to see that. I just think that would be an incredible thing because I honestly will say that that I think that you know that they Caps have not been making the right adjustments. I think I, I really feels like you know Trotz would have done better in this series. I I have to I have to say, and we'll know the final eight after tonight. The the the, the, the series that I'm looking the most forward to watching is Boston is Boston Columbus. I, I really. Now you're just gonna root against Boston. No, 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 no. Oh. Not, not because of that. No, I'm, okay. I'm not, I really don't have a rooting interest. I'm just like they play very similar types of hockey, but, but Columbus is bigger, 
They and, and they have a I think they have a better they have a better defense than Toronto. And Tortorella is good. If if Cassie tries to play the physical game against, yeah, he'll match that. He'll match. Tortorella will match that in spades. So it'll be and, he, and, and gave Columbus a huge tell in this thing. Babcock did help Columbus out by. By by showing that the fourth line actually like the fourth line, which for Toronto you can make you know Boucher, these guys you know they weren't the greatest at all, but they played a ton, and when they played, they did keep the puck down in the zone in in Boston zone a lot. And that was that was the work of Innes and more. Gautier was a, was a, right. Gautier was the other guy, but zero. but that showed that the younger, especially the younger defensemen on the Bruins, didn't love forechecking. No. There is nobody that forechecks like the Columbus Blue Jackets. That's that's what won them the series against Tampa. The Blue Jackets, when they forecheck, they have four lines that can forecheck better. Than well, they, they do have. They still have a Brandon Dubinsky who you, at one time was a fairly talented scorer. Where now he is just a guts and guile guy. Yeah. Yeah. all out there. Yeah, and, and 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 nobody on Toronto would try to uh, check Chara into the boards or at least oh. be effective at doing it. Josh Anderson will freight train him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anderson, Anderson will be a huge factor in that series. Josh Anderson, Josh Anderson is is kind of like becoming a player that like no one knew about, but is ever is going to know about a lot now. Like, well, I'm even right now in my head, I'm giving Columbus the edge in goal too. Sorry, uh, it's you know it, it depends. I mean, what Rask you get? I mean, you know, you, there's no question that Rask played really well against Toronto, so it's hard to say that say that at this point. Um, yeah, yeah, I think he, came up he, just, he just swept. You know, and we talk about the fact that it's really kind of like a funny little side story that I read about yesterday too. That that Columbus's farm team is winning, is beating, is beating the uh, Tampa farm team. Yeah. Um. In in the AHL, and they finished like 15, 20 points behind them. It's in the playoffs. It's kind of crazy. I mean, just Columbus, like but Columbus's farm team has a couple of Capitals guys that have won the Cup on that roster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that that Columbus Fire team is well good roster. It's a good, it's a well put together AHL team. But it's a perfect yeah. AHL team where you have the older guys, the younger guys. It's like how AHL teams should be. Yes, they're always. I mean, and that that actually farm team, you know, that that Columbus team just swept through this playoffs a few years ago. Remember, there that Columbus farm team is really good in the Cleveland Monsters. But they that they 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 almost swept. They could have swept them last night. Although Syracuse, I'll the one thing that the Caps game will lack, what the Dallas Stars had going for them in the crowd. That was fun. Was when Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott are there, and they're dumping popcorn on each other, and they're and they're ranting and raving like fans. Mm-hmm. No one from the Redskins will do that at the Capitals game and be seen, and probably yeah. nobody. Well, I don't think anybody from the basketball team will either, because they're not even in the playoffs, right? Well, maybe, okay. Hey, maybe 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 Gronk will drive down and wave the Capitals flag, and Julian Edelman will guzzle a beer. I mean, I, I I will say this now. Everybody knows I'm a Jet fan, so clearly I am a Patriots hater, but I do think there was way too much put into that with Gronk waving the flag. Oh look, look, we got so much out of Gronk. It's like stop. I'm it's surprised. Here. I'm surprised he had the brain, the, the brain power to be able to power yeah. his arms to wave it. But it would be and nice if, if the Redskins from Western New York, so I can say that. It'd be nice if the Redskins had like star guys like the Cowboys did that could be in the stands and sort of loosen it up and add a little star power. I don't know if Washington's got that in that oh, town. Is Robert Griffin the third? Could he wave? Oh, oh, that's that's right. He's probably in a cast somewhere. No, but I mean, even I mean, I forget the guard on the Washington team. He's pretty good. Um, yeah, I mean, they on something, but even he's not going to add anything. You're right, and it's cool. It's cool to see hockey get the hipness of crossovers from other sports. You know, I like that a lot when that happens. And yeah. you're seeing it more happen right now than you've ever seen it happen before. I think. Um, 5,200 people showed up yesterday for the Columbus Blue Jackets practice. I know that's crazy. Were they giving away something for free? Yeah, it was free, but you know, at the same time, it free kids are off from school and parents dump them there. That may be part of it. it was, I mean, that, that is something because, you know, for a team that, I mean, when we sit and analyze, you know, going for it at the trade deadline, that's why they did it. Yeah. John Wall's the guy's name. He's the biggest star. Uh, in oh yes. Okay, great. I mean, that's why they did it. Right. That's why, that's why the Blue Jackets did it because they <laughs> Maybe Bryce Harper. Oh, wait, wait a no, second. And that's, and that's where Yarmul gets points, and that's why when Mike was fighting you and I, Eck, we yeah. were, I'm still fighting it. No, no, but you, you could fight it, but this was vitally important to the fan base and revenue, and now you could see the dividends of it already at that practice. Yeah, and on the ice, too, obviously, because that third-round pick last year did not score for you Boston against Boston last night in Game 7, Mike. So I mean, like, cannon fodder ain't cheap. you got to pay for that if you're going to shoot the cannon off all those times. Yep. All right, 
Um, well, enjoy tonight. I think it's going to be a crazy one. Um, any picks on how you think this is going to go? I kind of think the Caps are going to yes, pull it I out. think the Mets will sweep the Phillies. Thank you. you I go. think the team that scores more goals will win. All right. I'm going to go with the Caps. I'm going Capitals 5-4. Capitals 4-1. Yeah, I'm more along the 4-1, 5-2 area too, I think, for the Caps. I just think I think that – I, I do think that they got the monkey off their back, but if they if if they if they lose tonight, that's very that wouldn't be shocking, and, and it'll bring back all the memories. I mean, of, if you're Carolina, you're trying to score that first goal desperately. Yep, yep, and Carolina has shown that they can score in bunches in the series too, which is interesting. Yeah. They score suddenly, like the three goals they said in the third period the other night. That that's that's an eye opener. I agree. All right, kids. Um, remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. We will talk to you tomorrow. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.